Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the LaRouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me always, the wonderful and fantastic and amazing and just great Derek Brissett, Stu Hardy. Gentlemen, it was another, another, another tough weekend for the Toronto Arrows. Um, I hope that you guys were able to find solace in the nice weather. I, 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 I like with like 10 minutes left in the game, I just got up and I went outside and played with my family. I'm like, there's no point in watching the rest of this game. Nothing. They're not coming back from this. And, and I just went outside. Come on. Where's the loyal, the loyal fence for man? You can't, you can't watch the rest of the game. No. What hey, I, hey, I, I, hey, I mental, mental try. health is important for yeah. us all. I don't need to torture myself. What did you miss? Did you you missed like a try or something? I missed Montero's try and, and like that was it. Oh, well, that, yeah. listen, you probably missed. Mc, did you miss McNulty's try too? Is that the last uh, try of the game? No, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, were yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I, I would have. I, I think for everyone's mental health, especially Dan's, it was probably for the best that you missed that one because that oh, was okay. when my head was in my hands. <laughs> that was a that well, was, guys. I'll try to watch it. I think that uh, with with lockdowns being extended and everything, I think mental health is very important. So I need I need to take a break. But let you know what? Yeah. Let's rehash some wounds. Let's open it back up again. Let's talk about the Toronto Arrows and their loss to LA. They lost uh, forty three to sixteen. Uh, Manuel Montero had his first try in MLR. Which congratulations, uh, Manuel. We really. Uh, Loved watching you play in this game. Um, Canadian Corey Thomas uh, scored the first try in the game, which is uh, great to see him kind of uh, put his hand up with the guilties and say, hey, listen, I'm here. Give me some playing time. Give me the ball. And he did a great job with it and was named to the uh, the MLR team of the week. So, uh, Corey, that was, a, that was a great game. You know, hated it that it happened against the Arrows, but we're glad to see a, 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 an adopted Canadian uh, race the flag and, and have a great game. Guys, we I uh, <laughs> I want to hear what what you think worked well, what needs improving, and who is your your player of the match. So, uh, Stu, why don't you get go first? Uh, tell me about what you thought about this game, and kind of go through our bullet points about what we want to talk about. Because, boy, oh boy. Well, I know that Derek has a few uh, comments to make about, especially within the first, let's say, thir- first thirty eight minutes of. Um, approaching the whitewash in Toronto's favor that didn't go that way. And I'll leave Derek to talk about that. But in all honesty, this is the most that we've seen LA been threatened so far in MLR. For for that first 38 minutes, and especially for the first, if I get my times correct, eight minutes, it was all arrows. Arrows were leading LA and LA were behind for the first time in their history of Major League Rugby, you know, with that penalty in the second minute. And then obviously it uh, went a different way, which is, you know, disappointing. But I'd say for the first 38 minutes, it was, this was, you know, arrows evolved. This was showing that LA is like, hey, welcome to the league. It's not going to be as easy as you think it is. We're not Seattle and we're not, New England we're Toronto we're from the north where it's cold and you know ice in our veins and we're gonna show you what it's really like then in the 39th minute and that was the beginning of the downfall for Toronto and and this leads to one of the bigger issues um, within Toronto in that game and you can also look back on 
um, even the uh, Threat and Palamo try against DC is a lack of composure. Now, the most obvious case would be Gaston Cortez losing his composure, just making a very stupid penalty that gets him sent to the sin bin, that gives LA an easy try on the stroke of half time. But then it's also being down for the next eight minutes and within the first five is then conceding two tries. And, you know, I'd I'd say LA are currently on paper, like the toughest opposition that the Arrows are going to face this season. Um, I mean, if you look at their starting 15, I actually made a list. Um, For all the players that have played internationally in that starting 15, whether it be for 15s or for 7s, there was a combined 362 test caps. So there's obviously, yes, huge amounts of experience in that side. And when you're facing that much experience, you have to be, you know, focused on what you need to do. You need to be prepared for what you've got to do to ensure that, you know, your attack is on point and your defense is on point. And as the game wore on, um, the composure just wasn't there. You can see it in those um, five minutes between those two tries, but then you can see it with the last try of the game. It's like that. I want to say like, it wasn't even it wasn't a kick of into touch. It was just kick hits the kick hits the pitch and just like bounces straight back into LA's hands. There's no there's no advantage whatsoever for you to do that. It was probably safer to just go to ground in the in the try zone and just concede a scrum on the uh scrum five because then you would at least have that form of control of what's going on. But yeah, it was a complete lack of composure that really affected the arrows. And it made the case of that there were flashes of brilliance for the arrows, of course, uh, Manuel Montero, but you need to be consistent and you need to be ideally consistently good at uh, what you have to do. And that's the thing, because, you know, it's easy for me to say like, Oh, gas and Cortez is the reason why the arrows lost. That's not true. The arrows are the reason the arrows lost. And also LA, but also the arrows. Um, so, so being after seeing that, who was someone that impressed you from the arrows that kind of put their hand up and said, "Hey, like I'm here in this game." Okay, well, um, the obvious choice then, because I've actually had to pick two, because uh, Manuel Montero. Okay, this wasn't his first game there um, with the arrows, but if you look at his try, it's like he's involved in the lead up to it. There's like fantastic offloading, but also throughout the game, he had like great defensive work as well. As we've seen, his agility is a key factor as well. Um, however, it's got to go back to um, Captain Aquaman himself, Lucas Rumble. Like, turn up more turnovers than a bakery. He's just fantastic <laughs> in that game. Um, and like what I've got to. Um, from LA, obviously they had like great guys in all positions. Of course, DTH um, was doing fantastic work. Nearly scored a try himself, but it was, uh, I believe, uh, Harrison Goddard that uh, was able to uh, pick the ball from a DTH attack. Um, but I will have to say that um, for the sheer amount of hits he took, and also because he liked one of my tweets on Twitter, it <laughs> has to be Matt Gitter. 
I, th- I think, first of all, he's shown that, you know, he was considering retiring this year, especially after um, COVID uh, prevented the full uh, top league in Japan. But, you know, he's still got it. He, he had fantastic accuracy. He missed one kick and was then subbed off afterwards, which I thought was a bit harsh. You missed one <laughs> kick. And then you missed the- one. Get it together, Matt. Get out of here. <laughs> should have retired. <laughs> um, but to, no, he, he took hits. He took knocks. He was fantastic. And right. so I'd say credit where it's due. Matt Gitau really impressed me. Well, I mean, you know, when you're undefeated at the top of the table, the standards are high, guys. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, Matt Derek, I, I, I want you to go last because I want I want you to stew. I want you to boil over. I want you to hear some of the stuff we have to say before uh, you let out it about some of the things you saw. Hopefully, listening to the show by the time I get to talk, then <laughs> uh, I'm going very quickly because uh, what what worked well. I think the backline did a very good job handling the high ball, especially when um, LA was doing such a good job kicking. Um, you know, I think that they did a pretty good job with that. Uh, what needs improving? Uh, you know, watching uh, a team like the Gilgronies, um, Toronto's scramble defense needs to kick it up a notch. I think that Stu made a good point about composure. Um, the the Giltinis had six line breaks compared to the Arrows one, and it really showed that the Arrows had a hard time gelling together after after a line break and kind of holding back the the the, the waves. Uh, I mean their 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 centers are young. I mean Detroit and Lesage are both young guys. So you know it's going to take time for them to still, you know, it's only been what seven games that they've played together. No, that's still not a whole lot. So they they still need time and there's got to be support from from the whole team, but it just did not look good. It all it took was was you know a, a good run and and everything just seemed to be discombobulated. So I think that's something that they really need to improve on. Um, my uh, my personal player of the match, um, Paul Cellini, uh, was the first became the first arrow to uh, make over 250 tackles. Uh, so Paul, congratulations! That is an amazing achievement for the franchise. I think that he was a uh, kind of a constant on defense and. He's just in a piece of timber. He's so big and thick, and you almost never see him getting uh, uh, tackled dominantly. Like he just does not give much up. And I think that um, in a world where you want, where locks are evolving into these horsemen, and everyone wants your <laughs> your lock to be Maro Toje. Uh, with like, you know the offloading skills of the Fijian, I think that there's something to be said about uh, Paul Cellini just absolutely being a piece of lumber and, and giving it his all. Um, my standout players on the other side, you know, I talked about Corey Thomas before. Uh, I was pretty happy with his performance. Um, Luke Burton, though, um, you know, came into the this 12 jersey after Billy Meeks, who I said was going to have a big season before the season started. Uh, broken orbital bone. Um, he's been, if anyone wants a good follow on, on Instagram, Billy Meeks is a really good one. Uh, it shows a lot about what the Giltinis are doing and he's just, just a funny guy, but like he's gonna be eating soup for like, and liquids for a little bit of time. Like the guy's gonna be out for, you know, some time. So Luke Burton stepped in and I think had a very strong game. 
you know, kind of being that second receiver, which is always kind of fun um, with, with a, with a deadly backline, like what the Guillotini's have. So uh, liked what I saw out of Luke and good, good to see his versatility. Cause he played, you know, mostly 10 with San Diego. So again, fun to see him play. All right, Derek. Let loose. You're, you're you're unhinged. You're off the leash. <laughs> you guys are making this sound like I'm about to like roast the arrows or something here. Like, which isn't is it really? No, but but a good Derek is a fired up Derek. I'm trying to pump you up, buddy. Yeah. Um. Kind of a weird game, really, eh? Guys, like when you really yes. think think back on it, it was. I think I think the way it ended by it be, the couple minutes being called off because of thunderstorm. Yeah, was just, that was the perfect ending. Perfect. Was, it's like the cherry on the cake of this that, that was hot mess like, of a game. Yeah, this is <laughs> it's like the, the, the game getting called off due to lightning with clear sunny skies and a game starting like an hour later. Anyways, this or when did that when did the Austin Nola game start? Was it an hour, two hours later? Right? maybe like, two hours dude. the lightning didn't last long it was just like thor was like i've had enough of this and like, <laughs> we're just gonna and Thor famed arrows fan so yeah thor the thor is a huge huge arrows fan so is hawkeye apparently it's a little terrible avengers joke well, i don't know i don't know i uh, i made quite yeah. a good joke about uh having maybe Stephen amell do a little bit of uh work with the arrows yeah but he's green that's actually my older brother's idea He's green, though. Yeah, but the show he's on is Arrow. Called Arrow, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of like we need like we need um I was gonna say there's a lot of like Arrow characters, but do we have to go after like like fighter pilot characters? Like, do we get like like should Tom Cruise come and make like a like an av like fly like an Avro Arrow in a promo or something? Yeah, I don't know. It's just if no, you can no, get terrible idea. Tom Cruise. Well done. <laughs> All right, you guys don't like Top Gun. I don't think the marketing budget allows it. Allows for Tom Cruise. For I'm indifferent about Top Gun. Uh, Avro More Air. of a cocktail kind of guy. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, if if the MLR gets big enough, where I can speaking get... of cocktails, hey, I didn't even think of that, Stu. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> All right. Anyways, enough of this nonsense. All right. So, yeah, like this this game was kind of fascinating, both for the lightning and for the weirdness. But also because I I don't really think the forty three to sixteen score really like reflects um, the game all that much. I think as both of you guys kind of alluded to, there was the play towards the toward the end of the first half where it looked like Manuel Diana scored a try um, from the TV camera angles. It definitely looked like he dotted down, grounded the ball, and. It was just like, you know, there's kind of one of those plays where there's a mess of bodies and, you know, maybe the ref didn't see it. And if he didn't see it, I can kind of understand why he wouldn't award it if he didn't see it. But at this, you know what I mean? It just, but at the same time, I guess the criticism of that is, was the ref in the right position? But, you know, it's, it's one, of, it's, I don't know. It's kind of one of those, like, it is what it is. Right. But. I wish there was just a phone, like someone just had an iPhone sitting there and they could just call the, you know, like a, have a match official in the like broadcasting booth, you know, just like I mean, doesn't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big call for TMOs, especially yeah. after this weekend. See, here's the thing though, like TMO is expensive. Like that's, that's not a cheap. Oh, yeah. Number. So like you, you can't do it. And it's like if you can't do it in every single. But this league also wasted money on a Las Vegas weekend extravaganza that didn't have like most so 
that's what I'm saying is where they wasted money on a weekend in Las Vegas. Why, why would we not then try and put something like that money to have it sponsored by like, like mint mobile and, and get someone on board. Like I, I, I feel like that because Ryan Reynolds is yeah. one of the like owners of is Maybe. it mint or is it i'm just saying that like yeah it's expensive but like if we want this lead to succeed like we can't just say say oh it's expensive hey let's do a weekend in vegas and you know let's 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 you know have that give it a go like hey, money is being yeah. spent other places and it's not being successful so why are we not taking the 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 build up and, and control of the league you need to be in every stadium too though like you need to actually be able to do it right like like at like yeah i mean even like the broadcast and stuff like camera angles and stuff are like limited too and you need another extra yes there's a lot that's into having a tmo that doesn't necessarily i'm not that's saying fair. Like, like there's a lot that goes into it like i get why they like the leak but it's if you can't do it at every game then you shouldn't but like I, like i so i'm just trying to be like i, I don't want to just bash the like a ref for Giving the try to Diana. It's because but, you're a nice guy, Derek. Yeah, exactly. I'll crush you. This no. pandemic has tearing down my soul. That's the thing, though, it's like you have you have cameras, so it's like you can kind of see on TV where it looks like you grounded it. Um, and then, but if the ref can't see it, like it's just, and maybe the criticism of the ref at that point is just was he in the right position? You can make that argument, but. Alt, but like, hey, if there's no TMO, there's nothing you can do about it. And in all honesty, the argument of having TMO only ever comes up when like there's a bad call. No one's ever what refed a good game and was like that needed some TMO in that game. Um, but like, it's never, it's always right. But it's like there is the like that's just the way it is. And I mean, like we saw, like I mean, being hockey fans and stuff, we saw like what the absolute complete overcorrection that the NFL or that the NHL went with one bad offside call. And everyone hates it. So you can like, uh, you know, but whatever. Um, but I agree. That should have been a try. It should have been maybe in the world where there is a TMO. Maybe it is a try. But unfortunately, that's not the world that the MLR lives in right now. So Diana's maybe scores a try. It doesn't count. LA wins a questionable scrum penalty immediately after. Oh, I don't see. I don't think that that's questionable. I think that was a horrible, horrible roughing decision well yeah then that would make the call questionable <laughs> questionable means that there's might be a little bit of like he might have been right all right Wrong. all right all right i'll hand it over to dan to yell at refs i don't yell at refs. <laughs> sorry i'm sorry derek i'm wasting your time i'll give you i'll no, give you no, some more time no you got this buddy podcast right you're supposed to talk man but yeah <laughs> bad yeah that's next scrum call that hurt um but i think like so but like that Diana try that makes the game 10 10 right uh assuming Adams converts it but whatever that either makes the game 10 8 or 10 10 um and then like so that changes and then like LA comes up the field and that's when Gaston Cortez gets that yellow card for his like offside that was also kind of like impeding um Harrison Goddard from passing the ball back to a to a teammate and you know in that area of the pitch that's going to be considered a cynical foul and honestly like cortez needs to know better than to do that um you know been, been a tough start for his his arrows career i mean he's you know he had the red card in the game against rugby atl he's missed 
two games due to suspension as a result of that, the bizarre red card that no one no one's actually seen. And then, you know, to come back in your first game and you do this, so you're already down, I guess, based on when that red card happened. Like, you're already down, I guess, what, 12, 22 minutes, Gaston Cortezless um, so far in his Arrows career, plus the full 280 minutes um, in the games that he did miss. You know, and like with the depth that the Arrows have in the front row right now, not that it's a lack of quality, but it's certainly a lack of like quantity, like physical just bodies in the front row. Um, and then, you know, we saw like Liam Murray got loaned from the Houston Sabercats to play one game because they needed a guy to play prop because like Atkinson's hurt, Ings hurt, um, Brower's still at home in Toronto. Right. And now it's like Quatran had to leave this game in the 13th minute for McRogers played the rest of it. Um, so like the front row is is just kind of hurting for like just bodies at this point in time. Not that there's like there isn't a lack of quality there. It's just like you you need some guys and it's like you can't like you need Cortez. We need Cortez on the pitch. So um like I think like that kind of has to stop. But that was the ultimate turning point of this game, right? Is that LA did again same thing that I said about Utah. LA did what every good team should do. And that's they got a Toronto got a yellow card for like I guess a dumb cynical play. Make it hurt, and they made it hurt in the biggest way possible. They put up twenty one points in ten minutes. Um, there was obviously they took full advantage of the fact that there was only seven forwards in the pack. Um, Charlie yeah. Abel, Blake Rogers, uh, Mahe Valenu, just steamrolled the arrows pack. Um, pushed them clean over the line. Easiest try Adam Ash has ever scored in his life. Maybe with the exception of two weeks ago when they did the exact same thing in Seattle. Um, so like that, so that starts it. You come out on the, in the second half, you know, just out, like just clinical precision with the attack gets Ryberg wide open on the wing with an overlap. Only 14 guys, ball in John Ryberg's hands. He's not going to miss many of those from there. Come back right after. There's, you know, I think it, I think it's Gitto puts up a high ball and Ryberg's kick chase is unreal. Just wraps up Tukale immediately, gets over the ball. I think him and McNulty got over the ball. Next line out and Cottrell just goes right through the arrows D again, right? And I think that was the thing though. Like honestly, like looking at this game, and you know, if you take out that te- that yellow card, right? You take out that yellow card where they score 21 points up a man, right? 43 minus 21 is tw- uh what 22. I'm bad at math. Help me out here, guys. 22. And Sounds about right. Yeah, yes. right. So you do that. The honest try counts. It's 23, 22 arrows. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, and honestly, like, yeah, if like, you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, it's a bunch of ifs, really. It's a bunch of ifs. Yeah, and, and counterpoints. We... It's a bunch of ifs, but like you kind of look at that. It's like when it was 15 on 15, it was, it would be, it was 23, 16, 15 on 15. Right. Which isn't terrible, but it was like, that's when LA took advantage of that. Even not saying that Deanna scored that 
even not saying that that say that the on a try shouldn't have counted say the ref made the right call on that if you take that side of the argument still like 20 22 to 16 does really doesn't look as bad as no 43 16 um but i think too like you look at the rest of the stat line it is really pretty even other than as i think dan dan did you mention line breaks you mentioned line breaks right Dan? line breaks yeah yeah, so line breaks, as you said, six to one in favor of LA. Almost everything else is pretty even. Carries 126 to 125 for LA. Difference. Yeah, but carrying meters, carrying they had like two more meters. That's that's the killer. But but Dan, you know where those carrying meters come from, though, right? The line breaks. Yeah. The discrepancy yeah. on the meters. That's where. The yeah, exactly. Um, but th- but even here's the thing, like even with. Even with the line breaks, gain line per- gain line made percentage arrows eighty LA seventy seven. So arrows actually made the gain line on LA's defense more than LA did. Um, kicks and kick meters pretty even. Like the arrows have more meters, LA has one more kick. Um, turnovers conceded, LA has ten, Toronto has fourteen. So that's you know that's another that's a spot that's a bit of a gap. That's enough to turn the tide of a game. Um, tackles made not too far off 135 to LA 154 to Toronto tackle made percentage LA had 91 as we mentioned on the last podcast that's like what Jamie Cudmore said like that's the goal of every team you hit 90 with your tackle percentage you're probably Mm -hmm. in shape the arrows not far behind though they were at 87 which Um, is better than what they've been doing lately yeah 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 Yeah. like it was like that's what I'm saying like the arrows didn't play bad they like they got torched with 14 guys for for 10 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Counter counterpoint to that is that I'm having a hard time blaming it just on the fact that they were down a guy. And I know that's not what you're doing. No, 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 no. Um, because you know, the arrows have played fine. Like I think oh, about no, the yeah, first game you need to. against Atlanta. You need to, you oh, need no. to, I completely, I completely agree with you then. Like that's like, and like you need just cause you're down a guy, you need to play defense when you're down a guy. <laughs> you still need to play defense like it doesn't go away you need to play better defense when you're down a guy arguably it just didn't happen i think like la you have guys like Giddell and goddard goddard like they loved that quick ball man like they were like like you said the scramble defense right goddard like the scramble defense is there but part of the reason the scramble defense isn't as good is because goddard never gave them time to reset exactly like, yeah. it never happened he like it was, it's relentless right it's like sharks sharks smelling blood in the water <laughs> The other, the other big stat, though, if you want something like to genuinely be like pick apart in this game, um, what do you think? The uh, have you guys seen what the arrows lineout percentage was in this game? Um, I know that they won eight, and LA won twelve. That's all yeah. I know. You know what the percentage? What, what would you guess watching that? Oh, uh, it was bad. So I'm going to assume it was like sixty percent. Ooh. That's actually really close. So 62%. Oh, 62%. That's yeah. still not good. No, you know no, what? And not good. No one said that was good, Stu. No one, no one said but I, I think back to like Toronto's like losses from 2019 and their loss to, to, uh, you know, even go back to Atlanta this year and Colorado um, and, and Utah this year. Um, the lineup was always a big focus. They were getting, Dominated yeah. in the lineup yeah. and like scrum scrum's fine it seems to just be a canadian rugby problem that the lineup is always the scrum was a hundred percent um yeah. they did get pushed over for the try but that again that was only with seven guys in the pack right 
Um, the scrum's good, but yeah, or with Giuseppe Dutrois at eight, eight man or something like that. Uh, I think it was was it Dutrois? I thought it was I think it was Lesage. I thought I think it was it, some it was somebody. Yeah, someone was there. So so De- so we we've we've picked this apart now, Derek. Who was your your man of the match for for the arrows? Oh, dude, it's Rumball. <laughs> Rumble's been the best player on this team the entire time. And if it's not Rumble, yeah. it's Tommy Delavega. Yeah. And if it's not him, it's Manuel Diana. Um, yeah. Like, it's the back. All right. Back girl's the best player. The All right. Okay. I completely agree with you that Paul Cialini had a great game. Um, he had the most ruck mall arrivals on the team. Um, Delavega, 100% tackling again. Like, the dude does not miss tackles at all. My only thing is that he looks so sad. Like last year, he looked like he was having fun. Yeah, this year, it looks like this is like he was winning. Work. He's yeah. winning last year. That's a, that's changed. That's the big difference, right? Okay. And who who impressed you from 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 LA? I mean, we've mentioned a couple guys. Is there anybody else that we haven't mentioned that that you really were like, yes? Yeah. You know what? I think, man. I I think LA has LA's been given like. I think a lot of talk with LA has been like the stars on the back line, how star studded this is, but the way that this game played out, this was kind of all about the forwards, right? Um, you mentioned Corey Thomas, unfortunately got hurt after, a, after one of those line breaks. Um, unfortunately, got- well, I think he got the broadcaster curse too. Like they were like, Oh, he's having another great run. And he's like, Oh, it was also you. I believe you tweeted that he was playing great, and then immediately. Oh yeah, was, yeah. Don't blame the commentators. Yeah. Don't blame the commentators for this one. The Lurus Rugby curse. Yeah, there you go. Um, someone with a microphone curse him. Yeah, that's that's the way it, and we just play. The way it always go. <laughs> um, it's like like every kicker that's ever been like he's playing like oh man he hasn't missed a kick all day today wide left. Um. I think I think someone said too is like uh, Robbie Petzer this weekend was setting up for like a kick in front of the post and he was like oh like this should be an easy kick and then it's like just takes off wide and it's like Petzer just bows his head and it was like it's the commentator's fault man don't worry it's we're not gonna talk you know Brian Ray has been on MLR's case about this new kicking rule so we won't yeah, bring that yeah, up. Got um Petzer gave him some uh some. F- some fuel argument. Sorry, Derek. I, I distracted so, so did Joe who, who, Peterson, who, who, Peterson kind of provided. I think uh, we'll talk about that. Oh, one. yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, like the forwards, I thought everybody in the th- front row, to be honest, I thought was really good. Um, Charlie Abel, I thought in particular was excellent. And, you know, he he made his tackles. He got to the rucks. Um, he was good in the scrum, too. Um, but he also, but like he also was like, he was like the link for like John Ryberg's try, right? Like that was, which was kind of crazy because it was like if you watch the Ryberg try again, the passes are like Goddard to Blake Rogers, um, who skips a back. I can't remember which back it was. I think it was like <laughs> Ashley Cooper or something. So the prop skips the back to throw it to the other prop, and then the other prop sends it to the wing to Ryberg, and he scored. Um, so I thought Abel played really well. Harry McNulty, um, he hit, he got to a lot, a lot of rocks. Came up with a couple steals on his own. So yeah, like uh, I, so I thought like the pack, the pack did really well, um, in in this game. And I think like, you know, I, I think like they didn't necessarily have to rely. Like I mean, the backs obviously did their job and everything, but you know, with how, I guess with like a little bit of the conditions and the way that this game went, it became kind of forward heavy. 
Um, I also, but like, I thought the best back in this game, to be honest, was probably John Ryberg. Um, like, right, he ha obviously had the try, but he also he had the try. He had he helped out on the big turnover to get to the sec the third try during the ten minutes, and then, you know, and he also he also made fourteen tackles, which was second, I think, second on his on the team, something like that. Um, right, and so he he made fourteen on the wing too right which is yeah that's crazy yeah that's like that's a lot i think i know jojo on nola kind of did that a couple weeks ago so but like yeah like he had a great work rate and stuff i think it was one of his best games um that he that i've seen him play like just an all-around game um so that was right. really plus i mean and and that was him like you know what i mean he stacked up against like mirez and montero right so i i thought he did really well too um there's yeah, there was there's a lot. Like, I mean, you know, Stu's favorite player, Ryan James, did well off the bench as always. Um, but I like I, yeah, like I, I was actually like I, I still think that LA can is I don't think LA is like infallible or anything right now. I mean, they are winning. They're winning, they're winning big, but as I kind of said, it was like they they did what every good team should do, which is you take advantage. Like if teams are gonna give you cards, like make it hurt. Right. And they, they did that and they were clinical for that. They were clinical for that 10 minutes. And that's the 10 minutes that changed the tide of the game. Um, but the arrows, the arrows still were able to like, you know, generate a, a few things on them. Like you said, Montero had a nice try Yeah, um, when like the arrows were able to get them to give up a lot of penalties. So Adams was a, like, I mean, it was 10, nine for a while. Adams was able to keep them in that game for, for a long time, just by, you know, slotting some penalties and stuff. I think the one interesting thing, though, too, you kind of touched on some of the new rule changes. The arrow, This is the second game in the row where the, the arrows haven't elected to take a scrum penalty, which is like, like, sure, I'm sure is something that we never thought we would be discussing like a year ago when like the scrum being like the most dominant aspect of their game. And it's it's interesting because it's like you're either they're either taking points or going to line outs. And as we kind of went with earlier, like the line out has not been clicking at all right so like i i don't know i think like maybe maybe I, and maybe I, it was just I, the I conditions like maybe, of this game yeah and like they weren't super confident with the field and how muggy and wet everything was I, that the scrum I, wouldn't collapse as much in a row though because that was like again against old glory though that was like pristine conditions in old glory yeah like in dc not in yeah glory. that's a weird sentence i i do want to go back to something you mentioned about uh you know you mentioned a couple players derek that i think that are are important to la but not just la but like mlr and also american rugby like guys like blake rogers you know i remember when you know he was you know the first year when it was glendale he was a starter the second year they added some more players and he was kind of put on the bench and then last year he was a bench player and, and to see him start in this game and have a great game, it just shows the evolution of a player. You know, when, when the first year of MLR was around the, the, the level wasn't there. So he was definitely a starter. And then, you know, he kind of lost his way being on the bench and maybe starting some games against teams like Austin. Yeah. And now with a new team, he's really kind of trying to put his hand back into, yeah, I I'm still here. I'm, I'm an American eligible player. I'm homegrown. Let's, let's show that I can play. And he had a good game. And, and same thing with John Ryberg, you know, like that, that 29, 2019 season he had, was, was just, you know, insane. Well, you know, he, he was. Sorry. Yeah. I think that's the interesting thing though, too, right? Like there's a lot that's been made of the foreign players on LA 
exactly this was a game where like you said like rogers played really well Corey thomas got the man of the match despite only even only even playing a half really um and like you know like you said ryberg was there too dth vandermerver um you know, he was, you know, he played well. He had some nice runs, kind of mixing it up with Rumball a little bit, too. That was kind of fun. Yeah, it was hit Rumball, and he, he was getting in a lot of people's faces. It was pretty funny. Yeah, it was. It, was kind of, it kind of got to a little bit of, obviously, there was, we haven't even touched on it, that um that hit um from Dennis on Montero, too, that was pretty, pretty hot. Red card-ish. Yeah, yeah, like that could have been. Yeah, yeah. That, that leads back to the whole having a TMO. For these kind of situations, kind of thing. Yeah, but uh, I'm not saying but hey, it I'm is what it TMO, is. I'm not saying a TMO would be a bad thing in MLR. I'm just like I don't think it's a feasible thing at this stage of MLR. Even if you are spending yeah. money on other things that Dan doesn't think you might need to spend money on, but like it's like listen. All I'm saying is that like I'm not asking them to have a giant, you know. Every stadium needs to have have a giant screen for the ref to watch it. But like you look at like the women's Six Nations. Um, you know, you had Ireland versus Wales, two uh, unions that are not doing well financially, and they made it work that they had a TMO. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just gonna... saying that if if you want to take this, if, if you're gonna fiddle around with new laws and you're gonna you're gonna get these big sponsors and and tout them around and stuff like that, let's put our money where our mouth is and make the rugby a little bit better. I know, and like you made some great points, Derek, about how it's going to be difficult to make that happen just because of like camera angles and this and that. And like, you're going to need more cameras to show every angle. You're, you're right. But I I'm saying that the fact of it, other than like, did they have it in the 2019 championship game? Like, I can't even remember. Here's the thing though. It's like, I think they did that for like the, uh, definitely in 2018. I think they did that for like the, the final rounds. Yeah. My personal opinion on that, though, is if you don't play with it all year, I don't think you should have it for the playoffs either. Yeah, no, that's not what I'm saying. But like, I'm like, yeah, but it's like, that's what I mean, though. It's like, I don't think, but even with that, that's what I mean. I think they want it. I think they would want it, but I don't think you can, because I think maybe you can shell out to do it for one game, three games, maybe, maybe you can do it for all the playoff games, but it's like, I don't know. I don't think that then unfortunately they're going to have a tag that that's it's going to make them look unprofessional for a period of time. I get money. Money's tough right now in a COVID world, but it's just going to be something that's going to loom over them. I don't necessarily think that like, I think I don't think it'll make them look like unprofessional. Why? Why? Why not? Because this is a very important part of, of like the fact that rugby relies so heavily on it because it is a moment of quick moments and there's so many bodies that are playing in this game. I think that it is important part of the game and every other professional league, I bet they've been around for much longer has it. It is going to be something that outside bodies are going to look at and go, Oh, that try was disallowed. Like, you know, in the, in the top league or the pro 14 that would have been allowed, right? Like it's, it's going to be something that, that foreign fans are going to look at and go, well, that's kind of Bush league. Mm, I mean, I like maybe, but I mean, like I said, though, I'm sure that's not a high priority for the league. I, I think know, that's not, they're not, they're not going to wake up in the middle of the night going, Oh, some Irish kid in Dublin got mad at this. <laughs> I mean, the issue though that, like, I mean, like we're bringing it up is because it's like there might be, there might have been some TMO things in this game that maybe could have swung some momentum and stuff. 
You'll never, no one ever brings. And player safety. That, yeah. That's another thing too. The that, player safety part is also. Player safety part is important. But like, yeah, I mean, hey. Um, Listen, we're not going to take too much yeah. time out of it. We got to move on. Um, you know, just, the arrows have another. Ultimately, no one ever brings up TMO unless there's a bad call. That's the only time TMOs ever get brought up. But that's why they get brought up. Exactly. That's why they get it brought up. That's why you have it. That, yeah. That's why you have it. All right, guys, we, we got to move on soon. You know, uh, the Arrows have uh, their next game against Seattle, who is a equally hungry team, got their first win. Um, Derek, you're going to talk about that. So hopefully the things that we mentioned are, are fixed. Hopefully some of the guys that took some knocks. Um, Mike Shepard had a scary situation. Um, uh, Andrew Quatron is going to be an important one to watch because he was taken out early in the game. Uh, right. Rumball was hit up on, you know, was, was, was down for a good period of time. So we'll see how these bumps and bruises kind of clear themselves out. All right, guys. Well, we're going to look at our, our other games this week and I am actually first on the docket and I'm going to be talking about, and it's actually works because I wonder if Stu, you wrote this in terms of how the games were played in terms of chronological order. But um, if you that, didn't, then this that is coincidental. Exactly how he wrote it. Yes. There you go. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That okay. is. All right. Then I am talking to you fine folks about the NOLA-Austin game. Um, I felt bad for these teams because they kind of went on to this, this pitch that was not in great condition um, right after that Arrows game where, you know, there might have been a little bit of rain as well because you can kind of tell in the first, gosh, it was like, like first like period at the time that like, there are a lot of issues with handling of the ball. And like the first score was like a crazy kicking situation where like Mason Mack got the ball after Cowley, you know, uh, uh, you know, made a great play. So it was just a weird situation. Um, if you look at the stats, it was another performance by Austin where they were defending a lot of the territory. Um, just pulling the stats up quickly. Um, Austin had 50, 57% of the territory, but, you know, the NOLA gold had, you know, had lots of opportunities. You look at it, they, they had a lot of control of the lineup, which a lot of their plays were kind of based off of. And, and Austin had to do a lot more tackling, but again, Austin had more carrying meters. They had more line breaks um, they gave up way more penalties um, and, and Nola had more p- uh, possession time. But when I look at that, really what it comes down to is Nola did not do a good job of getting out of their uh, end. Austin was kind of relentless for a good portion of the game. Um, Canadian Kyle Bailey, unfortunately, uh, looks like he broke his nose in the game, which was not great. Um Eric Howard had you know, a serviceable game coming off the bench. Um, Regan O'Gorman spent the majority of the game at lock because the uh, the Gilgronies lost both of their locks in the game. So, you know, not ideal, but they they he he kind of said, Hey guys, I'm here. I, I I'm gonna play, and he played pretty well. So good for you, Regan. Um, the only other Canadian that played, Cole Davis, was not used. So that was kind of a shame. I love watching Cole Davis play, and I think that he deserves more time. So what I, this game comes down to is Austin took advantage of their opportunities. Um, Mac Mason had a great game. 
kicked really well. And I mean, you saw it on that last play of the game. He kind of kicked that ball perfectly. And Roderick Waters, who's had a good couple weeks, finished off the play well. And what can you say about that? Austin is on a roll. They're starting to show why everyone thought that they were going to be one of the top teams in the league. Nola, they've been really inconsistent this year. And, you know, I, I really think that those, those injuries in the back line are starting to really kind of come together. Also, Holden Younger is freaking hilarious. What did he call the guy uh, about the... Uh, God, what was it? Numb nuts or something? Numb nuts. That is a <laughs> that is a underutilized chirp, and I'm going to start using it from now on. When I heard that, I belly laughed so hard. My wife thought that like something was wrong. It was so funny. Numb nuts. Amazing. Man, yeah, great. Andy Ellis in the New York game too. Like that dude should just be mic'd up. <laughs> like forget like being near the ref. I just want a mic on Andy Ellis for the entire. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. There's some yeah. fun. there's some comedic goal. That's more important to me than TMO. Let's get ref mics on hot mics all the time. <laughs> ref, yeah. Let the I just want to hear I want to hear the, the boys chirp a little bit. It's funny. All right. Well, Derek, you are up next. Utah versus Seattle. This was this is quite the spicy game. Yeah. So you guys remember how last week I mentioned if you're losing, do something, change something up, wear like different shorts with different kit. Like, right? Yep. Yeah. All I'm saying, that's all I'm saying, right? Um, Houston wore yellow instead of black this week. One. Seattle goes green shirt, blue shorts. Losing streak's done. Right? So back to, circling back to Toronto. 0-3 in white shorts, 1-0 in blue shorts. So if I'm the Arrows equipment manager... Blue shorts next week, but that's besides the point. So Seattle, Seattle takes my advice and they end up winning. I'm assuming they all listen to this podcast, so I'm assuming they took that advice there and got that idea. But you know, this was this was a a really really good game um, from from Seattle. They kind of they did they did a lot of they did a lot of things really well. There was this you know set piece was good. Um, they you know they were able to control some territory. Um, possession. It was just, you know, one of those like really like just kind of overall like hard fought game. Um, you know, it was Hatting had a lot of, you know, strong carries, um, created some big line breaks, um, you know, for like the, like that kind of, you know, led the way a little bit. Um, yeah. And like it was just, you know, Duratalo had the huge line break to actually start. So they were finding like their forwards were finding ways to get through Utah's defense. Um, Aaron Matthews, too. He also picked up his uh, I think it's his first. It's his first try. Right. Um, you know, so that it's nice to see him kind of getting getting a nice little stamp on the game. I thought Nakai Penny, if we're going to talk Canadians, Nakai Penny was awesome. Um, just getting to every getting to a lot of breakdowns, coming away with some steals. Um so that, that was that was brilliant to see. Um, Hagen Schulte continues to be just absolutely impressive with the boot too on um, on Utah. Um, kind of interesting going with um, in the for the ten jersey because I guess Ben Sigma was absent because he was at his brother's wedding, so they went with Kieran Joyce. Um, I thought he did well, kind of in in that kicking game and stuff. Um, mm. Looked better. Um, Sears Duru 
was I thought was really solid too, other than his his yellow card, but that you know it is what it is. Um and like I just it's it's interesting because it's like I think like like that kind of looked like a game that's kind of Seattle needed to kind of grind out. Utah has like a pretty good scrum and or that's they've been showing to have a pretty good scrum this year. And you know, Seattle was able to uh kind of one up them like during the game too. Um Utah had more territory and possession. Uh, you know, this was another game where the team with the most line breaks too ends up winning, right? It's um, you know, the, the one thing though, like it, it is kind of but one thing like that was kind of in this game, there was a lot of line breaks from both teams, really. And um, you can kind of tell because there's only like Seattle had 78% tackles made and Utah had 82, which when the team with the most tackle percentage is at 82, that's going to be a game that has a lot of line breaks and stuff. Um, both teams, like, yeah, like I said, like Seattle's set piece, the scrum was solid. Lineup was all right, um, but it wasn't like Utah, Utah kind of allowed them to get away with it. Um, Frazier Hurst kind of seems to be settling into his his role as the, the starter with Baska out. Um, he did have a yellow card for an intentional knock-on. Um, kind of, I, you know, I just as, you know, Ferris was trying to pull it out of a, out of a rock. He just swiped his arm, knocked it on the, the other, I guess the really no one noteworthy thing from this is the incident just before halftime where uh whippy, you know, tackled, um, JP Smith near the touchline. It looked like initial contact kind of looked like his arm came up and hit him in the head first. And then it was just a, like kind of the follow through and, I, like just the way Smith actually goes down, he ends up hitting his head pretty hard off the turf and, you know, was immediately unconscious. And I think, you know, Whippy and Frazier Hurst both kind of had to jump up to go like attend because Hurst was in the sin bin at this time, like kind of went up to kind of try to help initially. And, um, and then, yeah, so like, it was kind of, it was a little bit of a scary moment. They got the, um, you know, Utah kind of went down, took a knee and was like praying during like a lengthy stoppage of play. So ho- hopefully Smith is uh, is doing well and hopefully he has a speedy recovery and we're able to kind of see him back on the pitch soon. But overall kind of, you know, a bit of a bit of a scary incident at the halftime. But um, Seattle was able to get the W for him. So my question to you, Derek, is this that was there. This is the arrows con- uh, opposition next week. Yes. Which which Seattle team did you get the vibe from? Is it is this the championship winning team or is this the the Arrows team? Like is this the Arrows team that they lost to in the 2019 playoffs or is this or the the Seattle team that they beat in Seattle, you know, last year with with the boot from Sam Malcolm? You know, where are they like if those are the two barometers, you know, are they in the middle? Are they closer to one or the other? What do you think going into next week? Where where are the arrows chances when you look at that kind of barometer of, of like Seattle teams? Yeah, kind kind of interesting situation, really, eh? Because it's like I don't think anyone expected the arrows to be one in three. Um, you know, going in going into this game and like you know Seattle kind of coming off a win. Um, I said that'll be interesting. Lineouts will be interesting in this game, um, because both teams are kind of bad at. Um, or or struggled in the last couple of weeks. I'll have to go back and check Seattle's overall, I guess, over the yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting. I think Seattle's probably realistically probably closer to the team that the Arrows beat in 2020. Um, 
to kind of thoroughly beat, which in all honesty, that arrows game against Seattle in 2020 is probably one of the best complete games the arrows have ever played. Mm -hmm. Um, But so that was useful. Like it'll be interesting. Uh, That's going to be a game. that's going to be in Atlanta um, at like 10 30 AM too. So wake up, have your breakfast and like hit the pitch. Um, So that I mean, who who knows? That'll be interesting. I'm sure. So that game, I guess, depending on when Seattle travels, that's going to be like a 7:30 a.m. game to them. Yeah, that's the ten last going to be weird um, acclimatization and all that. So, um, but yeah, so that, that'll be interesting. I think Toronto can 100% beat Seattle. Um, I think based on like what what we've seen this year, um, it'd be interesting. It's going to be interesting though because Seattle's made some big signings. And it'd be when are those gonna start rolling in? You know, uh yeah. Manoa uh and um yeah, yeah. Yes, like Semu Manoa, um Yamada. Yamada. Um, I mean, even like like uh Mongola, like he looked pretty good when he came in in relief too. So like that'll be interesting. I think like they th- like they they do have a lot of good I'll be interested to see obviously what fly half comes to the table. Um, you know, if it's, if it's Sima, Sima's, I think a big difference maker for Seattle, despite the fact that the one game he hasn't played is the game that they actually did win. <laughs> like you kind of said though, too, Dan, I know, um, George Barton, I think George Barton's looked pretty good so far this season too. He's, um, Seattle really kind of used him. They were running, I think it was the, uh, the, let me check. Yeah. The Duratalo try, um, real nice line from Barton and then a, like a crisp, like inside ball back to you know, Duratalo, like that creates like the hole and stuff. So he's been doing well with that. And that's, as I know, Dan, you've kind of mentioned, right? Like that center matchup, but Barton and Neil versus Detoine Lesage is going to be a big one. That's going to be a big one. Yeah. yeah. Even on uh, Tom, Tom Avina's try too, Barton was, uh, yeah, inside ball to him. Ser- served him that, that nice one. And he kind of, he did the rest. Not going to give Barton too much credit there, but he was still involved very hey, much in that's, that play. That's- but that's what your job is, though, as that inside center, right? Is yeah. you're that you're that second, you know, it's kind of I guess that second receiver and stuff. You got to find, you got to be able to find like those holes. For and, sure. Um, so I, I, I think it would be going to be interesting, right? Um, you know, I think, I think really that game will, as it always seems to kind of do with the arrows. Like if the arrows can slow down your quick ball at the ruck. Like if like look at like old glory where like Rumball and Della Vega just did damage and just kind of had their way with the uh right like that 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 helps and like you know in this game Rumball and Della Vega played great but like so did McNulty and Goddard was you know so did McNulty so did Abel so did all the other guys on LA that were hitting rucks hard mm-hmm. um, and. You know, they were able to like Goddard was able to keep that quick ball, keep that pace that LA likes to play at. Um, so yeah, man. I mean, I think this this is gonna be I think this will be a fascinating game. Um sure. frankly, I think you know, there's there's gonna be like, yeah, there's gonna be a lot of keys. I think like I think honestly, like looking back at the Giltini's game, if the arrows can like sort out their line out and stop taking cards, like they're like I think like they're gonna be like they're gonna be fine. I haven't seen anything from the arrows that I'm like I'm super concerned about this. Well, maybe maybe yeah to get that line out up, but like um, I, it'll be I think it'll be a good game going in the next week. Okay. Though. All right, Stu, tell us about the uh, Houston San Diego game. Well, if you haven't seen it already, this was probably 
the game of the weekend. See, Dan's already off to go watch that game right now. Um, now, I've got to say, this was a fantastic game to watch. This was an absolute thriller. The First of all, a Sabercats team that can score, never mind win. Did you expect this last week? Because I sure didn't. Um, there were some fantastic tries on display, um, as well as some major... I think the best phrase to use is brain farts. I mean, Cecil Africa has, you know, one of the most capped sevens players of all time. He should know you can't play the ball on the floor. And that led to a penalty try to Houston and a yellow card um, for him. And when you look at the final score, it could have been the sense of maybe that could have made the difference. Um, however, the Legion also missed a number of conversions as well, which they'll be kicking themselves for, not at least the last conversion as well of the game. But this this was fantastic by the Sabercats. I think that um, I've got to uh, mention uh, Matthias Freyer's try, which was the last try for the Sabercats. But that was just a stunning bit of teamwork. Uh, Robbie Povey kicking crossfield kick and then pass back behind the player for Matthias to score. That was just fantastic to see. Um, then, of course, there was uh, Peterson's uh, try, which was, uh, I think he had the advantage from an earlier offside or high tackle or whatever, and was able to then um, capitalize on poor handling by the Sabercats to then score, not under the post, but next to the post. <laughs> as Brian Ray was thrilled to bits about um, what, did, what did you think of it? I thought that um, so the commentators brought up that it was a good tactical display in the sense of it's right next to the post and that means that the 60 second uh, kick clock goes into effect now of course Peterson would be able to kick it perfectly fine but this is um, you know the state of like winding down the clock that's a 60 second break for his teammates it's a uh, 60 seconds that Houston don't have the ball and from a tactical point, it's great. It does also, though, lead back into this whole conversation of if it's off by less than a meter from being a seven-pointer and it's kicked so easily to be a seven-pointer, do we really need to have the seven-pointer? Which I think is what Brian's argument was about. Um, from my point of view, I've got to agree with the commentators. I thought tactically, very clever, very intelligent play. Um, any. As long as the ball's not in your opposition's hands, it should be um, a positive for you. Um, but going from positives to negatives, I have to talk about um, somebody who had possibly their worst start to an MLR game, which was uh, Mr. Chris Robshaw, who, after serving his um, ban from uh, the Barbarians game, um, came on and, you know, I'm not saying he played badly. Is of course, the outcome from... Uh, the game that was negative for him, which was that uh, it was announced through his and San Diego social media that he has dislocated his shoulder. Um, that at the time of recording, I haven't seen anything, but they said they are currently waiting on a scan. But then again, I don't think they would reveal how long he's going to be off anyway, um, compared, especially compared to the, um, the Premiership, which would have uh, let you know as soon as possible how many months they're out for. Um, you know, ultimately it was, you know, 
sad to see that he comes on and then gets injured and then um at best he won't be around for the next few games at worst this may be a season ender um but he does have another season already signed with Sandy. Is that how long? I'm not super. I'm not a doctor. Is that how long a dislocated shoulder is? Like, well, well, I'll let you know that I'm not a doctor either. But oh. um, obvi- obviously, age is a factor as well. You know, some recoveries take longer. It's also being there's a difference between being um, fixed and being match ready as well. And it may be an issue with that. But again, at the very least, all we know that is that he's out and about moving, and once um, those scan details come through, it can hopefully get started working on rehab, and hopefully we can see him again on the pitch this MLR season. Um, standout players, as, as I said, Matthias Freyer was fantastic as well. Uh, Robbie Puvi from fullback was uh, fantastic. Like I said, he um, his crossfield kick set up the uh, try for um, the Sabre Cats as well, but he had just had a great kicking game throughout. Um, in fact, uh, it was a very close game. As you can obviously tell by the score, there was only two points in it at the end. Um, but I'm just gone through the stats as well. Uh, yeah, um, Houston only conceded eight penalties compared to Legion's 12. Um, Houston made 352 kick meters compared to Legion's 405. Uh, tackles were pretty close as well. Sabercats, 135, Legion, 110. Um, there was an inconsistency is that they say the Sabre Cats got three tries, which is technically correct in that they grounded the ball three times, but they obviously got the penalty try as well. Um, line breaks, Sabre Cats seven, Legion nine. Line outs one, Sabre Cats 10, Legion nine. Um, possession, uh, Sabre Cats 46%, uh, Legion 54%, but obviously it's not just possession, it's what we do with that possession, as um, Houston clearly proved. Um, I will say from Saber, uh, not Saber, uh, Legion, uh, Travis Larson um, came on off the bench for the 46th minute. And uh, disappointingly, Nick Hildebrand was on the bench for the Sabercats, but they didn't use him, which was disappointing. But, you know, they got the victory, which is something I don't think any of us were expecting last week. So this is a great turnaround for the Sabercats. Uh, you know, getting two wins in the season is uh, already good news. Um, I don't think they'll be getting the win next week when they face LA. Um, what then, that be something? What's the that, bet odds on Houston beating LA? <laughs> what if that, you know what? That would be the most 2021 MLR season thing to have happen. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and at the same time, uh, San Diego will have a clash in Utah with uh, no, not Utah. They'll be facing Utah, but they will be in San Diego back at Torero Stadium, which is amazing. All right, Derek. Well, why don't you tell us about another? I wouldn't say shocker of a game. Like I'm not surprised by the outcome, but I'm surprised at how it came about. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, I, I, I thought, you know, it, it was interesting because I think this, I mean, I'd be curious to your guys' opinion on it too, but like, I think this might have been Ben Foden's best MLR game. Um, Like, he, he, he was outstanding. Like, the, the kicking. I, I haven't watched the game, so I have no idea. 
Oh, well then why, how, why are you surprised? Oh, on how come? It, you just said you were surprised <laughs> yeah. on how it. No, I looked at the, basically I full stats nerd and I looked at the stats and I looked at the score and that's where I got my assumption. Wow. Wow. All right. I don't even watch the game guys. I'm that guy. Yeah. I watched every other game, not this one. You're, you're the guy. Because it was on. Did Sunday. you at least watch the highlights? No. Oh my goodness! Oh come on, man. All right. Less than ten minutes. You know what's? You know what? Uh, this right. is anyway. Derek, as you. All right, Stu. I'm gonna take my headphones out, and you guys go ahead and you. We're talk. gonna have a conversation about a game, <laughs> and Dan will have like we should just make up stuff about the game and and like talk to Dan about it. But the people. A giant Canadian goose smacked a player. Oh my God! Ben Fulton's hair was ruined. You didn't. You didn't. Wow! I can't so you did watch the game. <laughs> you did go watch ahead, the Dan. game then. Yeah. So go, ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. We're, I'm distracted. Should go get well, my switch. I mean, I guess Dan missed probably Ben Foden's best MLR game. I thought, you know, in, in, in rugby ATL's game last week against um, Utah, like they they used the kicking game to like just masterclass to like control the territory to control the possession um van voot skura petzer amazing and Foden kind of just neutralized that like with he every time he received yeah. the ball you know he either would kick it back and it would be precise and new york would gain the territory back he would start a nice little counter attack and run back up and new york would have possession and a bit of the field position uh territory and field position back as well um just brilliantly controlled the game i mean even even when um andy ellis got a yellow card um for essentially being hit really hard by uh marno redolinguis and not liking it very much um he kind of like so he he goes off and Foden comes in and plays scrum half for 10 minutes and actually does a pretty good job and that also led to like please mic up every ref and all like mic refs should the refs oh yeah should never come off ever um yeah. the ref well, going to fold in and being like do you know what the ref the ref going to mike lash brilliant dude well done my favorite ref yeah right oh yeah fantastic uh, the the ref yeah going to ben Foden. actually a kiwi ref so yeah which is kiwis have the best senses of humor that's why this works and like him going to fold in and being like do you know what you're doing like at the scrum and having Foden respond with, yeah, I played like scrum half in like high school or whatever he said. Um, <laughs> was amazing. Um, and like, you know, after Dylan Fawcett left the game too, and, um, you know, Andy Ellis ended up being the captain. They had some fun banter too. I think at one point, like, like Ellis is trying to like convince him that he's not the scrum half and stuff. There's some hilarious things like that. Um, and I think one of the exchange was too just like a simple, like, isn't this a lot of fun? And they both kind of agreed that this game was indeed a lot of fun and was a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, so like Foden did well. I thought like Samu Tawaki to me was the guy that really turned the tide in this game in New York's favor. The moment he came on, the scrum looked way better. Um, he scored a try following up Dan Holland said Holland said had an unreal game too. He was obviously the player of the week. Um, just finding holes in, in the, you know, in the defense, a lot of nice, just diced through, just absolutely sliced through ATL's defense for a seven point try. And um, 
there's a lot of that. Also, you got to give the big shout out to Quinn Nawadi, not only scoring his first career MLR yeah. try, a hundred percent tackle rate with six tackles made. Um, Matt Heaton also played well too. I mean, he's just he. It's Matt Heaton. Matt Heaton played like Matt Heaton, um, and you know that was great to see too. Not quite as funny as Andy Ellis with the referee though. Um, but yeah, like man, the East can't have everything. Yeah, the East is tight. The East is tight, man. It'll be fun. Yo, two and two teams. It's the top of the conference, so it's like it's completely up for grabs for everybody. Dan, you should. Hey, I've got to say, because it's hilarious, is what I'm getting at. Watch the game for Mike. Just mic'd up, man. Just watch it for the mic up, mic'd up moment. I, I, I will say, I have, I have, I, I did see uh, Quinn's Quinn's try. So great job, Quinn. Congratulations. Yeah, like nice runs and stuff too. They had, um, I think it was Ellis. It was either Ellis or Holland said to put up a with advantage. Had a nice like cross field kick that was like just out of Nawadi's reach. That could have been. Yeah. I, I don't know. And I, I actually, I have a question for you too. And do you think that Quinn is out of position playing on the wing? Because I've watched him play in a couple games now on the wing. I just feel like his skill set is better suited playing in the center position, just with his size and and his passing ability that we've seen with the under twenty team. And I mean, if you want to go back to the Wolfpack, he really didn't show a whole lot of that there, but. But I just feel like he's got more to offer as a center than on the wing, and maybe it's just because they're maybe they've got injuries right now on the wing, or they're 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 they not got, they fully got, comfortable with their depth there. I was just saying, New York's deep at center. I think that's the issue, right? Like the centers in this game too are like tie, um, right? Like there's um, like yeah, like okay, yeah, like they just have a lot of centers. Hold me. So it's it's a good thing that they they want they're obviously finding spots for him to play. So okay, yeah. But, but yeah. Like, all right, guys. Well, but, with that too, though, like he's this. I think this is his best game at wing, too. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. That's sorry. That's what I was trying to pull up. So, yeah. So New York centers are Will Leonard, Troy Lockyer, uh, Chris Matina, uh, Fuatai. Like they're they they're deep at center. And then, yeah, Nawadi, I think, could play center, but he, had, like, he's not playing center right now, obviously. Uh, Leonard and Fuatai were, you know, are the two centers, it looks like, at the moment. And I think... Surprise Lockyer. Is Lockyer hurt? Oh, uh, I'm not sure. They don't do injury reports, so... Because right, he he was he was a magic last year. They called him Magic Man. Was not not the, the like, thing that they had going on. But, but then too though, like to your point though too, like you're also right in the sense that like they just picked up like Luke Hume, um again or not they picked him up, but he's back again. Um, Kakabalavu is really good too. He played a really great game on the other wing. But I think I don't know. Like I I kind of I kind of like the idea of him at least trying it, it doesn't hurt to add another position to your repertoire. And I mean, like for sure, New York has started him all and all of their games at the way in the 14. Yeah. Right? So I guess they're, they're liking what he's bringing to the table enough to keep starting him. Right. So, and I think, I think like this was his best game at winger too. And I mean, let's, why don't we circle back on this conversation at the end of the season and see what we think of. For of, sure. That's right. I do agree, though. He's he's a great center. So, I mean, but I'll, I'm curious to see how it works out. Yeah. 
right, guys. Well, let's finish up with some news, and then we will do our our uh, picks for next round. Um, starting with the sevens, uh, uh, invitational in, um, uh, Dubai, Canada finished runner up in both the men's and the women's, um, the, the women lost to France and the men lost to Argentina. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I feel like, especially for the men, this is, this is a great kind of showing. Um, they definitely looked a lot more cohesive and, and their decision-making looked a lot better. Um, Tough final game for the women, but you know, they still looked pretty strong all throughout the tournament. So I'm happy with what I saw. Yeah, it was, you know, obviously getting to the final and then, you know, just coming short for both teams can be disappointing. Obviously, it's an improvement from uh, last week where the men finished fifth. And, you know, I'd, I'd still say that getting to the final, if this was the Olympics, you get a medal regardless. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, silver i know we everyone prefers the gold but you know nothing to best that for silver um i think the best news that i heard was that these are the transitional jerseys and the, yes because i know we were talking about the black one you know black and gray maybe didn't go but these aren't the official sevens jerseys these are the transitional jerseys so these yes, rugby canada said that we'll maybe see a preview them in the summer so I'm assuming with yes. the test matches with with the, the 15th programs and then whatever leading up to the Olympics, the Olympics you know, Macron will yeah. ramp it up. Yeah. And then and then with MLR, we've actually had a lot of stadium uh, announcements. Um, Rooney announced that the, in that they will be using Cochrane Stadium uh, in uh, Jersey City, which is I believe in New Jersey. Uh, for their first two home games, no fans allowed. Um, LA will be uh, allowing up to 20% attendance from uh, April 20, or 24th onwards, which <laughs> it's so funny. 20% is still 15,000 seats available, which is just, <laughs> that's crazy. Hey, I mean, uh, and then see, that's still, if LA wants to go out, it, it just puts the scale, then I'm all for it. Yeah. If but it's just the scale. That, that the scale of it all is that even twenty percent of their stadium is still more capacity than any other MLR stadium at present. Yeah, for sure. Just ridiculous. The Coliseum, um, and then yeah, and then the uh, Seattle uh, will be allowing up to twenty five percent attendance from May second onwards. A uh, thousand seats. Uh, will be what they are capped out at. So uh, I want to ask you guys quickly, which one of these? Uh, stadium announcements excited you the most? Um, I mean, I like it's nice to see that uh, the teams are going to be allowed to have fans back um, in the the limited capacities and stuff. But it's great to see it's kind of great. It's great to see fans kind of back at games. I thought like you know it gives a little bit of an atmosphere. I think you could get if, uh, anyone checked out like WrestleMania or whatever on the weekend because they did that show yeah. with some fans. It's like Randy Orton kind of breaking character a little bit when he realizes that there's like an actual crowd cheering for him was kind of a great little mm-hmm. tiny moment just cuz it's like I think yeah. I think it does bring bring a lot to like the athletes and stuff and the atmosphere of it. I mean like at the end of the day it's you know, sports sports are meant to be played in front of people and like the crowd and the apps yeah. and the fans make it special. And you know, like I'm super jealous that you know I've 
you're Laura's going to be looking at some MLR games with fans in the crowd, and I'm going to be like, my 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 TV setup's nice, but um, you know, <laughs> kind of you know itching to get back to an actual to an actual stadium and stuff soon. But um, you know, fingers crossed that maybe it'll still happen, but who knows? For sure. Um, Stu, which one of these uh, fired you up? Which one of these kind of stories kind of really got you excited to see them? Well, I've got to say it's um, it's New Boys, it's LA. Um, I think we've talked about how the production quality is the best at the Coliseum, Um, and if there's any of the MLR stadiums that could have a (laughs) um, TMO in place, it would probably be LA, where. That owner would just be like, yep, sure, whatever, more money. Well, and also they've announced that the cheapest tickets for LA uh, is $20, which is considerably cheaper than any other sport in the city. So I think they're trying to get, you know, they're trying to get the fans there. They're trying to build their loyal fan base. Giltinis for everyone. I mean... When you when you're comparing your ticket prices to like the Lakers and the Lakers, the Dodgers, <laughs> the Kings, I don't know what the Kings kind of pull, wow, but uh, yeah, no, that's a sports team in the middle of downtown Los Angeles. You bring in that's pretty wild, or whatever. Um, I'm excited about the Seattle news, guys. I, listen, I I love what you mentioned there, Stu, but I think you got to go and reward the people that have shown out from year one, and that really has been Seattle. Seattle has had the best fans in the stands almost every game and i think for them uh you know you can't reward the team this year but the fans i think that this is great news for them i think that's another thing like for seattle i think seattle is one of those teams that really thrives off that environment and stuff right like that buzz yeah the also did you guys see that they they practiced at the seahawks stadium that was oh yeah no that was cool that's crazy that was yeah that was that's another perk i like that oh my gosh exactly um, All right, guys. Luke Wilson using some connections maybe there. Um, but that'd be cool. When were you going to see him debut this year? Yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the CXFL, maybe? Who knows? Um, what a, that's a weird story. All right, guys. Well, well let's, let's, uh, let's get into the, uh, the, the predictions now because uh, let's look at our standings now before we get into it. Uh, Derek, you are 9, 11, and 1. Stu, you are 6, 14, and 1, and I am in first place with 10, 10, and 1. I'm I hope, almost at 500. I hope that Cool Bet thing, um, that the, that Arrows partnership, like I hope Cool Bet's loving the fact that they have rugby on their site right now because they must be making so much money off every <laughs> losing every but bets every single week. <laughs> there's, no, there's no way anyone's like doing well at this right now. Like oh, that's probably just, yes, it's funny if you look at uh Craig from uh um American RFC and his uh Monday morning fly half, he's just stopped putting his predictions after week two. He just stopped and it's great. I love it. I, all I, right, first round. In all honesty, I'd be like, we should just flip coins for the, the picks. Probably it's probably just mm-hmm. as good. if that's how you want to do it, Derek. You are more than welcome to Toronto versus Seattle. Toronto. Oh. Whoa, Stu's picking Toronto? Oh, I guess the, the mojo's yeah. gone. The mojo's gone, eh? Guys, yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> little uh, production error. Uh, my keyboard is dead, so I need someone else to type these in. Uh, I got you. I got you. Don't All right. Then. Derek is choosing Toronto, and Stu is choosing Toronto. But I'm Toronto, also choosing Toronto. Toronto's got to wear the blue shorts. 
wear blue shorts, guys. They got to do it. All right. You heard that. And, and they got to have your names on them. Yeah, that's a nice little fun feature, too. Okay. NOLA versus New England. Derek, who are you choosing? Um, man, uh, uh, wow. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, this is like they're all 50 50 at this point, right? I, I'm gonna say I'm picking the free jacks. You're picking the free jacks. I'll take Noah. Okay, one of us will. Do okay, it. there you go. You're taking the free jacks, yeah, out. unless there's a tie. Unless there's a goddamn That's, tie. Yeah, you pick tie. You pick tie. There we go. We'll cover all our bases. <laughs> one of us will what? <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go for New England as well because, as, especially after the week just gone, the teams that are coming back from a bye have been, you know, in the ascendancy. So I think uh, having a week okay. off will help. So I'm going to go. Yeah. I think they're just going to be fired up after that first win and Nola's going the other way. Okay. Uh, San Diego versus Utah. Oh, this Utah. is a toughie. Utah. I'm going to go San Diego. I'm going to go Utah too. Am I? Uh, never mind. <laughs> say what are you gonna say? Uh, Steve, I, was, say I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Am I just gonna be like? It's mixed up. It's mixed other up. Other side of the coin for everyone. No, 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 no. You and I have got the same pick so far, other than other than that one. Oh. Okay. Uh, Houston versus L.A. You know what? L.A. L.A. is obvious choice here. Which makes me think that the rugby gods will let Houston win this game because this season makes no sense. And I think the epitome of this season making no sense is going to be Houston wins this game by like, you know what? I'll go even further by like a lot. Like, no, I mean, I was going to say I wanted someone on the podcast to go for Houston. So I'm going to go with LA. Yeah. Derek, I'll I'll give you that. Realistically, if you're betting against LA, like, I don't know what you're doing. But also, I've seen the way this season went. So the most obvious pick is probably not going to happen. I'm not really sure. It's a what's it, what do they call what do they call in hockey? It's a trap game. The trap game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Is this at home? This uh, okay. At home? Who's home for this? Houston. Uh, this Houston is. is yeah. Dude, that could be kind yeah. of okay. Factor too, because that's L.A. actually Maybe. getting like an opposing team's crowd for the first time too. Yeah. Okay. Um, Austin versus uh, yeah, Atlanta. Um, Austin. This one's actually difficult. I'm going with Austin. I got to pick at least. It's in Austin, isn't it? I think. Yes, it is in Austin. Uh, Derek, did you say Austin? Yes, he did. I I was going to say. Okay, I'll. I'll go Atlanta then. All right. Here's what we're gonna do, though. <laughs> we're we should let's flip a coin. We'll we'll play the coin too, just to see how good this. <laughs> we should play a coin, see if a coin is better at picking for this last game. No, for all all oh all the games. Oh, we haven't even finished all the games. All right. Oh, know. we'll I'm do gonna, that. We'll do that yeah, off yeah, show. Yeah. We'll do it off show, and we'll have yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, last game. Uh, New York versus DC. I'm going with DC. Again, they'll be coming back from a bye week. They'll have to. Yeah, all right. You talked me. I'll pick DC as well. You guys both pick DC. I'll I'll pick New York then. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right then. So those are our picks. I say we do the what a absolute crap shoot. I say we got to do a coin flip right now. 
on the show. Why not? End it. For which game? All of them. Heads Tails is a way team. I have I I just have an app on my phone that I'm just gonna flip. I'm just gonna tell you who the coin is. You have a coin flip app on your phone? I have an actual I have a toonie. All right, Stu prefer that. Flip the toonie. We're gonna see I made a coin at this. I want to see if we can beat a coin. All right, so we're gonna go with heads. Hey, so Derek, you gotta write down the heads is home team, tails is a way. Heads is home team yeah. for every game. Derek, because he's flipping. Because he's flipping, you write these down. All right. Are ready? Yeah. It's tails. So tails. So, so Seattle. Away. So Seattle for the coin. That'd be Seattle. Yeah. All right. Is he gonna do it for every matchup? Or every is match. He... Let's keep going. Keep going there, Stu. Then. Heads. Heads. So Nola. Tails. Tails is Utah. Utah. Heads. Houston. Houston. Right, Heads. Heads. So Austin. Austin. Okay. No, not okay. Austin. And fine. And heads again. Heads again. No, it's isn't it Austin? No, yeah, Austin's Austin. home team. Sorry, I'm setting up my own rules. So yeah, Austin, so Austin and New, New York. And heads again. And for the the last one is heads as well. Yeah, yeah so New York. So okay. we'll see. We'll see just because of how random we'll see this, that. and we'll <laughs> see if we can beat a coin. So the coin has Seattle, Nola, Utah, Houston, Austin, and Rooney. We'll see, we'll see how this goes. All right, guys. Well, uh, that was I. I really enjoyed talking about that that heroes <laughs> game, even though it was painful to bring back. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we also want to take the time to wish. Um, all of our listeners who are celebrating Ramadan, a happy Ramadan, you know, uh, take care of yourselves. Enjoy uh, your time with your families. Um, enjoy as much eating you can at midnight. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully it's not going to be the same. And then we found, you know, I found that with my family with Easter, these celebrations that we get to have are not going to be the same. So just stay safe out there. And uh, for everyone else, uh, if you would like to listen to more of our episodes, uh, we did a, a we have a good little library of uh, interviews with Canadian rugby players. So feel free to uh, go on YouTube, go on any of the podcast platforms to um, listen to them, and, and let us know what you want to see next from the show. If you guys want us to do some more interviews, if you guys want us to talk about certain things coming up, let us know. Tag us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're there. Uh, we would love to hear from you guys. And you know what? Uh, get the coffee brewing. We got an early game come Saturday, boys. 